Hey, my name is Julie Leone and this podcast is called What's Your Thing? This is where I have conversations with people about their passions, ideas, pastimes, missions or lifestyle that I find inspiring. I hope you do too. Hey, Kerry, are you there? I am here. Hi, Julie. Hi. So this is the first attempt at a podcast called What's Your Thing? And this arose out of a, a walk with a friend on uh, the race course, actually, in Oswald Street. And I was, he said, oh, you'd be good at podcasting because you like talking and like listening to people. And I said, yeah, but I don't really have a thing that I would talk about. And he said, well, maybe that's the thing, <laughs> asking other people about your thing. So thank you for being the pers- first person. Um and You're yeah welcome thank you for having me so let's see so what what is your thing Kerry <laughs> well, I suppose uh, my thing is that I am a yoga teacher um I run a studio in Shropshire and I guess I try to live my life in that way too in accordance with with yoga philosophy so tell us where that where that um where that started how long have you been doing it for well, my first yoga class was when I was at university, which um, I'd like to say was not very long ago, but it was, it was about 25 years ago. Uh, and it was just something that I did with a bunch of friends. It was a social thing. Um, but actually, even from that very first class, I remember ending it and kind of feeling put back together, you know, physically, posture wise, but also feeling calmer. And so, yeah, even then it was um, just in one lesson. That was impressive in one lesson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just one lesson. I can, we did it every week, but yeah, I remember it from the, from the first lesson, that feeling. And then did you carry on with that? Well, throughout my life, there's been times where it's slipped, but it it has been something that I've always gone back to. So, um, yeah, with different teachers at different times, uh, when I was pregnant with both my children. Yeah, I I absolutely see it as something that's been uh, an anchor, you know, a rock in my life. Yeah. So so you talked a bit about that first time, how it put you back together or put you Mm. together. What, What does that mean? Well, I think it just made my body feel better, you know, like I was walking taller, my shoulders had dropped. uh, But there was also a sense of um, a calmness or and I and I do distinctly remember thinking, oh, yeah, I like a bit of this. (laughs) This works. So, yeah. And it still gives me that feeling now, actually. Yeah. And because I'm imagining as a student doing yoga that was because for me when I think about yoga there's the kind of real woo-woo yoga teachers which are you know crystals and chakras and yeah um, but also then there's I suppose increasingly nowadays there's the hardcore Instagram yoga people so I'm curious about what yoga was like for you 25 years ago well it was in a a student um, fitness center so there were lots of us it was a massive class I have no recollection about the teacher, which is interesting, mm. isn't it? Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it was just a kind of big hatha class, pose by pose. Definitely nothing woo-woo in there. Um, yeah, the woo-woo thing I have an interesting relationship with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are bits of it that are. But for me as a teacher and also as a practitioner, you know, I, I love to understand the anatomy of the body. Um, 
and what's going on. And I think in some ways that's one of the, you know, it's an ancient tradition and I absolutely respect that. And I get a lot from that, um, from the ancient texts and that kind of wisdom. But we have a huge body of knowledge now about functional medicine and, you know, how bodies work. And I think to ignore that and to just stick with, well, we do it like this because we've always done it like this is missing out a lot, actually. So, yeah, for me, it's a, it's a combination. But, yeah, the first class was very much just uh, just poses. I doubt that there was much breath work. There might have been a little bit of relaxation at the end. But, yeah. But you still came away feeling calmer. Yeah, absolutely. And therein lies the magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Without really knowing why. And so, so yeah. that journey of kind of, you said you did yoga on and off, yes. you know, as you went, went through life, you know, where, where were the, did you notice the difference in your life when, when it was off, you know, oh, when you were sure. doing it? For sure. Yeah. And I still do. It's, um, I suppose the, the thing that I, that I think about a yoga practice. And I suppose there's a bit of clarification here too. A lot of people presume that yoga is just physical postures because that's mm -hmm. mostly what it is for us in the West. But of course that isn't it. It's an entire, entire lifestyle. lifestyle. It's an entire it's philosophy. Uh, and postures are just a tiny just part a tiny of that. Part. So yeah, I think um, it's important. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Because I because I think most people do just think of it as postures and increasingly maybe postures in lycra. Yes. And then taking a, a picture for Instagram. Yeah, I think, yeah. That, <laughs> I think that is yeah. what a lot of people think. And it's one of the things that breaks my heart about people not starting a practice of yoga because they're worried that they're not flexible. And it's like, oh, actually, that's kind of not it. You know, being more flexible and stronger is a lovely outcome of practicing yoga regularly, but it's not the point. So um, if you take it as a tradition, it was very much about, um, well, in fact, the physical postures, asanas, translates from the Sanskrit meaning to take a seat. And so we just practiced the physical postures so that we were flexible enough to be able to sit in meditation and in breath work. So for a lot of people who, for whom the physical postures might not even be accessible, that's not to say that the benefits of yoga aren't accessible. So in, um, in the Yoga Sutras, which was written by Patanjali a couple of thousand years ago, he drew together all of the threads of everything that was kind of known about yoga at that point. And his definition of what is yoga was chitta vritti nirodaha, which means the stilling <laughs> of the fluctuations of the mind. It was nothing to do with anything physical. It was about quieting that chatter that goes on in our heads. And that was what it is and what it does. So say that word again, just because you said it so well. Oh, thank you so much. Chitta, <laughs> which is the chatter, vritti nirodaha, the chatter of the mind becoming quieter and stiller. And so just as someone that might not know what the, the chatter of the mind is, what can you just speak to that a bit and explain yeah, what you mean about that? So we all have um, inner worlds, thoughts that go round and round in our heads, often round and round and round spiraling the similar similar thoughts and it's you know that is what the mind does it is a machine that that is that does that and they that's fine we're not trying to stop that happening but that isn't us you know that isn't the totality of who we are and what we're about it's just a tool that we can use 
Um, and so through the tools of a yoga practice, and actually I, I describe it like that in very frequently, is that all of these things that we're learning as we practice and study yoga are tools for the toolkit to help us get through life in a way that is as grounded and calm and quiet as it can be. Um, so yeah, it's really about noticing the thoughts and the things that come up for you, but not necessarily attaching to them too too strongly, holding them too strongly. And if you read lots of the, the ancient texts, the, the outcome that we're looking for is freedom, is liberation from that kind of situation. Oh, to speak a bit more to that, to freedom, because <laughs> we're, we're recording this during the second lockdown. So kind of freedom's got lots of different layers of meaning, hasn't it? As so we're, at the moment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what does it mean? What does it mean in the sense that you're using it? So, and actually, this is really applicable, I think, to, to lockdown. And we all experience it. It's part of the human condition. But we are kind of driven by these winds of um there's a lovely buddhist phrase the worldly winds and and i think that makes a lot of sense of mm. craving and aversion are the terms that are most often used but basically it's of wanting stuff or not wanting stuff mm -hmm. um, of wanting things to be different or of not wanting things you know all of this we're constantly driven by and i think for any of us if we just take you know, took the next hour of our time and just noticed every time a thought pops up, how many of those thoughts are about wanting something or not wanting something. And so the freedom mm. that we talk about is freedom from that. You know, it's not that it doesn't happen. It's just we just notice that it happens. We're not swayed by it. We're not kind of buffeted by those worldly winds of those feelings. So that thing that I think a lot of us are feeling, and certainly I've felt it today, is that sense of, oh, but I wanted to do this and now I can't. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so it's not that you won't have that feeling. It's that you recognize, okay, well, this is what I want right now, but that'll pass. <laughs> you know, so we're not, so we're not grasping it too tightly. But also not repressing it. So you're not no. pretending that you're not having that. Absolutely that not. And I think that's one of the misconceptions that people have about meditation as a practice, which is, of course, a huge part of the practice of yoga is, is meditation. And people presume that it means that, they, that they're going to stop their thoughts and then they get ever so frustrated and disappointed with themselves and with the process when that doesn't happen. So no, that, you know, that's never going to happen. I, I read a thing that was that said that the mind on average will generate a new thought every seven seconds so if you're sitting down to meditate for five minutes or 10 minutes or fifth thoughts will come yeah but we can just watch those thoughts come and then go and then be replaced by different ones and different emotions and different feelings and they'll all come and go you know, that that thought about or that holding on to the idea that nothing is permanent that everything will change can feel kind of quite pressured but it can also feel very freeing because it's interesting when you're talking that you're saying you can watch it so I'm curious can you I don't know if you can explain but a bit about what's the bit that's watching your thoughts okay, coming and so going is, is there a way of trying to articulate that yeah no I'm, I'm aware it might be but so just try your best with it <laughs> so 
Um, so again, in yoga philosophy, and bear in mind that yoga philosophy has lots in common with Buddhist philosophy of different traditions. You know, they all came geographically from the same seed, really, um, which is that there are layers of awareness, a little bit like an onion. You know, think about the layers of mm-hmm. an onion. So we have awareness of our physical body, you know, aches and pains and how, how the body feels. And then beneath that, we can become aware of uh, the breath Uh, beneath that we can become aware of our thoughts our feelings our emotions and as you peel away and become aware of those things that come and go um, you get to the seed to the bit inside which is the seer which is the, the thing that is able to observe those things coming and going I think that's probably the simplest wow way wow Wow. And is that because you, earlier you said something about it being an anchor in your life? So I'm wondering if those two things are connected in any way, the kind of seer and then the anchor. I don't know. Yes. Tell us a bit more about the anchor. Well, I suppose just as it sounds, it's it's the it's the thing that you can hold to when everything else is is kind of moving around, which, you know, at the moment certainly feels like it's been the case for most of yeah. the year. So you know, don't get me wrong. It's not that I haven't felt all of that stuff. I really have. I'm a human. You know, I I am living my human experience. But I am grateful that I have these tools, this practice that bring me back to a little place of quietness, of stability, of groundedness within all of that. Might not last for long, but it's there. No, It's there and I know that it's there. Does have it's interesting out of the practice too you know it's not just while you're practicing that you feel it you take that practice off the mat with you too and into into the world because it's almost like I think maybe I'd have imagined before that it was that you somehow transcended all the chaos of yes. the world but it's almost like you're describing it as kind of rooting more deeply into it so that the chaos kind of happens but your roots are somehow I don't know if that's the right metaphor yeah, that but that makes sense yeah that there's a kind of stability to it and I always and so when you being quite dismissive about the fact that the Buddha was able to achieve enlightenment when he'd left all of his family and his commitments behind and he just sat under a tree and I thought yeah we can all do that <laughs> you know what, yeah. who's feeding the children exactly. <laughs> what's challenging is trying to live in the world with yeah. those things yeah I've got a friend who's a Sufi and I remember him um, kind of introducing me to a, a monk and I was railing against exactly that. I was saying, well, it'd be great if I could just, I've got kids to feed and work to go mm-hmm. to and, and how can I go and sit in my cave? And he said, and he said very serenely, he said, but the way of the householder is the hardest path. And I thought, yeah, you're not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yes, get really- me a cave now. There's also a really interesting um, thing about that, actually, in yoga, which is, and in fact, it's the very first words of the, the sutras are, and now. And, and what it implies by that is, actually, we all have to have lived our lives a bit before we can ded- dedicate ourselves more deeply to a spiritual practice or whatever you want to call it. You know, we, there is a need to get an education, to have your family, to, you know, build a bit of security in the world. And then you can work a little bit more with this stuff. So there is that acknowledgement, even in texts that are thousands of years old in yoga. 
Mm. And that's interesting because you said you started off doing yoga 25 years ago mm. and now you're a yoga teacher as well as a practitioner. So when did that transition <laughs> come from being yeah. someone that did yoga, not, someone teach yoga? Not so long ago, actually, about five years ago. Um, and so for 20 years, yoga had been in my life as a practice um, and I was busy Go, well, I still refer to it as a proper job. I was busy, you know, <laughs> doing all of that stuff. But I reached a point where I just wasn't happy. I just wasn't feeling fulfilled with my career. My kids were getting older. You know, that role was shifting a little bit. Um, and I was in a job where I just really wasn't happy. And so I had no idea what to do about that. And I actually um, went off and did a, a, a bit of an epic solo walk. I did. I walked off as dyke by myself. Wow. At the beginning hmm. of the summer without any specific intention. I wasn't seeking any answers. I just needed to kind of, it was like a retreat, really. It was a bit like mm. taking a step out of life and away from all of those daily commitments. And uh, yeah, I did this walk. And, and by the end of it, despite having not thought about jobs or careers at any point during that walk, um, I got to the end and I thought, you know what, life is too short to be sad. And I handed in my resignation at work without having a clue what I was going to do, which, you know, for those of you who, <laughs> who know me is not me at all. I'm normally very organized and logical and planning and um, mm. And then it almost felt, now this is where I do, you know, sound a bit woo-woo. It almost <laughs> felt like everything just presented itself in an order that led me to teacher training. Um, lots of little things. But yeah, it was almost like the path was there and all I had to do was put one foot in front of the other. And I knew as soon as I started teaching that that's what I should be doing. It was absolutely the right thing for me to be doing. Oh, I've got shivers. But I went home before, before we go back, because I, I want to know a bit more about fear, because I said, so, okay, so I'm going right. She's the mother with small children at this stage, and then off you go to walk a path on your own. So, because that, and then you leave a job with nothing to go to. So I'm kind of curious about your relationship with fear and risk. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, I would be too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think in all honesty, the, the me being unhappy in the job had got to such a stage where I was aware it was affecting my health, you know, my mood, my um, my eating, my sleep, all of it. It was becoming a really unhealthy place for me to be. And I do think as sensible as I am generally as a person, I am also that and I would say this to anybody that I cared about and anybody at all, actually, that um, if you reach that stage, just throw it up in the air and do something different. Because I think the various... Were you scared? Were you scared at any point? I, not that I remember, no. No, I have. And were other people oh, scared? Because yeah. sometimes what happens <laughs> when you make one of those big life oh, changes yeah. is everybody else goes, what? Everyone what are you doing? That's... I had lost my marbles without a doubt. Yeah, okay. my family, my husband. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and how do you negotiate that? Cause, and I'm curious because as a woman, we're so linked into our networks of people and kind of often servicing people's needs, not our Which own I needs. I have been doing and, for many years prior to making that decision. Yeah, because it's part yeah. of our <laughs> social yeah. script, isn't it? To look after everybody else. So 
how you know i think just as a, a woman to woman and kind of maybe other women listening how how do you say actually no this is what i am going to do here's my voice here's my literally you stepped onto your yes. path which then led to your path and um, but i think that's quite a tough thing for women to it, do it was tough and i did feel quite on my own for a little bit of it one of the things about doing that walk was that because i'd done it alone and there were times that were really challenging um, I had, I ended it with a sense of confidence in myself, this feeling that, mm-hmm. do you know what, whatever happens, I'll be all right. Um, it definitely gave me that. And I have had very successful jobs in the past. I've built a business. You know, there is a deep sense that I can do this if I put my mind to it. And the fact that everybody else was freaking out <laughs> around me <laughs> was my motivation to be, I have to make this work, you know? I have to, whatever it is, whatever this is, I'll make it work. So I think maybe that helped with, I was going to say helped with the drive and motivation, but actually I'm a really driven and motivated person anyway. Mm. Um, I just... But it sounds like this motivation came from somewhere much it more... Felt like interior felt like well I'm not sure what yeah I I just knew I couldn't carry on as I was I'd really tried you know so even though I knew I'd been miserable for some time before it's like no you know this job suits my family it works and I just reached a point where I thought no I can't do this anymore it's breaking me I can't do it so so it's almost like it came from because I'm just that whole career thing that you're speaking to, often that's very driven by kind of structure mm. and acquisition and things from the external world. But then this sort of seems to have come from a, this isn't good for me, yes, totally. <laughs> a kind of in, internal Absolutely. voice. So it sounds like different place yeah. for and that. And I think there has been a fundamental, well, I was going to say a fundamental shift, but I think it was probably there all along. But, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid 40s and therefore I was uh, a kind of going through school during the Thatcher era where my message, even though my parents weren't particularly like this, but the message I took was work hard, climb a career ladder, mm-hmm. be successful, be happy. And you can have it all, have it all. Women, you can have it all. Yeah, yeah. And of course, I've lived that then for 20 years and realised that mm. wasn't stacking up, you know, and... And materially, I'd done very well. All of that stuff was was going well. And I do reflect now and think, gosh, it's almost like another person, you know, all all the things that motivated or drove me before um, don't (laughs) anymore, actually. I get pleasure and joy from totally different things I love you know, growing veg. I love walking up hills. I, it's yeah. I have no interest. And do you think that's yoga? Do you I think, think that's yoga that did that, or do you think? Heart. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And it's experiential too, I'm... isn't it? You know, you can buy new shoes or a mm. handbag, or but it doesn't ultimately result in a in changing how you feel, does it? Um, whereas I think now experience. So it's almost like a... I do feel calmer and, and more positive with the choices that I make it's interesting because when I listen from the outside like there's your outside world journey which is from Thatcherism to the big career to your mm. own business and then the inside journey which was yoga yoga which kind of whispered Absolutely. away whispered yeah. away 
and it was almost like there was an intersection where where the paths just diverged. But I'm curious about how, how so now you're a yoga teacher, has any of that past experience come into play with kind of how you do yoga now, do you think? In terms of? Well, so you're a, you're a yoga teacher, which is also how you've been making money. And we can talk about the pandemic and all that stuff if it's a, mm. appropriate. But you know, those previous business skills, oh, do, sure. they, do they yeah, help? Sure. I mean, I know when I, I um, finished my teacher training and we were all kind of embarking out into the world of yoga teaching, I felt much more at ease with building my website and marketing and how to kind of put together once we we decided to build the studio um and you know I wasn't just teaching and hiring spaces I had this this uh, which is a business in itself you know um yeah absolutely those skills were incredibly useful yeah yeah and it's interesting because lots of people in that world of kind of yoga and therapy and um, almost have – there can sometimes be a tension between mm-hmm. money and yoga and, and success and, um, and yet you've brought them together in a way. Yeah, I remember the, my the, first yoga teacher training session, the guy who um, who did the training said – it's, you know, let's just kind of deal with the elephant in the room. You are allowed to make a living out of this. You know, this is okay. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people do struggle with that. Um, and I know when I first started teaching, I didn't charge because I didn't feel like I was good enough, I suppose. I didn't feel like I had a value, like mm-hmm. I was worth it. And I and I did that for a good few months until a good friend who was coming to me regularly for classes turned around and paid me at the end of a session and she said you need to charge you need to be charging you have a value this is and Mm -hmm. yeah there was that little blip with it but now and I think we are constantly aware aren't we of um, the choices that we make on those terms financial exchange Mm. for services what whatever that is but I feel much more confident now about, yes, I have a value. There is a value to, to what I do, but there's also uh, an ethical side. So um, I hope that I try and navigate that as best I can. Mm. And, and I'm thinking that the value, you know, what do you see it brings to your students or what did they tell you that, you know, when you're teaching a class or when you've had people yeah. with you for a for a long time oh, do you get absolutely. feedback from them almost every day if not you know certainly every week I have <laughs> a comment from somebody in class and I love that you know having spent many years in my 20s as a as a buyer where I loved the job and I traveled but I would spend entire meetings talking about what shade of green a cushion should be you know it all feels <laughs> soulless really that now it's having a really profound impact on people's lives. Anything from I had lower back pain and I don't have it now to I've had terrible insomnia and I sleep better to people who've had severe PTSD and are now finding that they have the tools to cope with that better. Um, Yeah, huge, really positive impacts. And I love that. I really love that. Mm. 
Well, they sound, I mean, those potentially yeah. sound life-changing, don't they? Even just, you know, the lower back pains, especially those of us that are sitting totally. at computer desks yeah. a lot at the moment. Yeah. And I, and I know right in the beginning of the conversation, you said something about the, I can't remember how you actually said it, but you were kind of referring to some of the more, sci- the new science that's coming up about yoga. And you've spoken a bit about the mm-hmm. kind of ancient text, but I'm curious, can you just tell us a bit about what, what the sciencey side of things is saying about yoga and what we're well, understanding honest, more and more? when now? I mentioned that, it wasn't specifically related to yoga, although there are lots and lots of research projects that have been going on now about the benefits. It was more about the fact that we have access to sports medicine knowledge you know functional medicine lots of different schools of knowledge that feed in to what we do on the mat on the yoga mat and I think see interestingly I remember going through a phase of uh, life where I felt a bit I don't know what the right word is not cheated but a bit disappointed that I'd never found a teacher you know, like that traditional guru-student mm-hmm. relationship. I, I can't yeah, say I've ever yeah. had that in my life. But now what I realize is that what I've done is seek out information at different times or seek out particular schools of thought or teachers or uh, areas, you know, different types of um, approaches to meditation or different understandings about anatomy and how the human body works and you know, and I think ultimately the ability that I have had to dip in and to, you know, to dive quite deep sometimes and spend years with a particular school or teacher or, but it's made me feel now that I've not just accepted things because they've been passed down to me, but I have questioned it. It's made me more critically um, aware, I think, more questioning, more, and ultimately I feel like a, a kind of, more authentic teacher at the at the other end of all of that not that it ever finishes it continues I love Mm. I love learning I love studying Mm. so it's almost like it sounds like you you're just constantly evolving your own approach in how you're teaching it in the light of absolutely what you're learning and and you mentioned that you've got children and I'm curious about so they've you know they had a (laughs) mum who was a buyer and now they've got a mum who's a yoga teacher. <laughs> and how's that? Mercilessly. <laughs> how's that? How do they deal with that? Yeah, they find it hugely amusing, I think. Um, Does it affect them, do you think? Do you think, think the influence, you know, tell. is I it think, seeping you know, in? I think as a parent, especially, you know, my, I've got two boys and they're both teenagers. And so really everything I do is totally uncool at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that there are seeds planted that will flourish in them in due course too. I know that when my elder boy was um, kind of struggling in the preparation for, for GCSEs and things, I, I tried to get him to come to yoga classes and he showed his face at a few and then promptly disappeared, which is really <laughs> understandable. So, yeah, I think... Um, yeah. I Yeah, I think it'll be in years to come that it'll be interesting to find out what they thought about the transition Mm. and in terms of kind of how you see this going and and again we're we're in lockdown so I'm assuming you can't do classes at the moment I I am biggest technophobe so how is that what how Um, yeah how are people finding it doing it online it's been a challenge I won't lie you know just purely from a practical point of view where we live in Shropshire we do not have the most reliable internet um 
And so when it when we first went into lockdown back in March, uh, I transitioned all of my classes onto online. Um, and you know what? It has been better than I thought it was going to be. You know, that sense of connection and community mm. is still there. And I thought I would lose that. We would lose that completely. Um, and again, I've had so many lovely messages from people saying they'd have been lost without it. It's given them a real... Um, rooting a real grounding to help weather this this tricky time and actually all I need is one of those and I think right that's fine then you know I'll crack on it was lovely to be back yeah. teaching yeah. for the one um the one block that we had and have humans <laughs> back in the studio again albeit fewer of them and, and more distance between us but yeah for now we're online and I think it, you know what it's not a bad lesson to learn in life is it the ability to just be flexible and respond to whatever's going on at the time that it's going on um it's given me mm. more skills you know I know that there are lots of yoga teachers that that make their living through online that's not going to be my future <laughs> that much I do know oh, okay so that's interesting that's then my okay preference, you know? that's, yeah yeah and can you see what would, you know, what's the next thing that's developing for you or in you? You know, you're very guided by this path. What what can you feel new seeds or is it <laughs> yeah, autumnal? <laughs> Where you are. You feel autumnal. Um, and that's one of the beautiful mm. things, I think, about living where we live. Uh, we're very connected to the seasons and to nature. And this practice does that too. You know, it, it, so I think over these next few months it's okay to just draw in the energy a little bit and um quieten things down and and hope those seeds sprout again in the spring but in terms of kind of future plans I don't really do that anymore I just things just seem to present themselves oh. and if that feels right that's what I'll do um and I think with this year that's all we've been able to do isn't it is is to kind of step by step mm. go through it I don't have any kind of big um ambitions for what I will do with the studio or with my teaching and in fact one of the reasons that I love doing what I do is that it doesn't matter where I live or how old I get or you know I have this source of income I have this um this thing that I can continue to do in whatever guise presents itself, really. It's a kind of really open and, again, the image that keeps coming for me is one of kind of, it gives you something rooted to connect to no matter where you live or what it is you're doing. And it, when you described that, you did your big walk and then the path and then everything just fell into place. It's almost like, that yeah. this is still part of that process that things are um you know that it's emerging and evolving rather than mm. being planned and it's when you're talking it's almost like it the planning bit maybe you're by yourself <laughs> that was choosing green cushions <laughs> almost, almost yeah. seems like a head thing to be doing a kind of cognitive whereas this feels like I don't know do you have a sense of where it comes from is I, it in you, you know is it I outside you know. is I've it can you really, kind of feel where I've that never really thought about it in those terms before yeah I mean I think hmm. 
It feels like a more sensing. I don't know. I get an image of you kind of sensing your yeah, way rather I, than you your head leading the way when you're talking both, about it. So I, it might be that something feels right, and then yes. I sit down for three days and plan it and make sure that it's. Do you know what I mean? It's. It, it is. Um, mm. Yeah. I, I. I. I approach my yoga classes with as much preparation and planning as I am presenting a range that we were going to. framework found it but yeah that idea of you know where will I be in 12 months or yeah Mm. I don't really have that I don't really have that oh you're breaking up a bit yeah so I'm on full it must be the Shropshire the Shropshire gremlins there we are just because you've been mentioning them (laughs) (laughs) glitching and so if right so if there was someone who thought that so right at the beginning you said people think they can't do yoga because they're not young and they don't look good in lycra and they can't stretch what's what would you most want people to understand about yoga that you know what if you could communicate just a few things three things what what are the three things you'd want people most to know about yoga Okay, so yoga is not about getting your body <laughs> into pretzel shapes. No, that's not it. Lycra <laughs> is not required. <laughs> um, but what it does is it gives tools. It gives tools to navigate through life. So those tools can be using the breath. Uh, they can be. They can be using the body. Um, they can be working with the mind. Um, and it's, it, yeah, there's stuff in there for everybody, really. Yeah. And the, the, when we talk about yoga philosophy, there's a huge range of things about how we are in the world, how we treat ourselves, how we treat other people. But rather than that being the core of the teachings, that stuff kind of just presents itself as you, as you follow that path. So just beginning with a regular practice of belly breathing will make a huge difference to how you feel every day and people find it really hard to believe that it's as simple as that but it really is you know these are simple simple tools that can have really profound effects so it's almost like one of those it's one of those things you have to do your brain might get in the way and tell you stories about how you can't do it and you're too old and you're too fat Mm. and you're too thin but actually you're saying try it try it try it and see you know yeah don't be put off yeah absolutely I remember um spending some time I used to regularly be uh, go to a Buddhist um community to do meditation retreats and the first one I ever went to I was a bit frustrated because my mind was jumping around all over the place they have a lovely term Mm -hmm. in Buddhism called monkey mind Mm -hmm. which I think all of us can relate to um and I remember the the Buddhist, you know, the, the ordained monk saying to me, just try it, you know, have no expectations of success or of failure of what the outcomes might be. Just try it. And if it works for you, carry on. Well, here, here you are. <laughs> and I still think that's kind yeah, of it in a try nutshell. It. And so it? just to finish off, what, what do you, th- again, if you could sum up, what, how's your life different because of yoga? Oh, wow. Um, 
Well, I guess in very practical terms, I mean, my life is totally different Mm. because it's my job now. You know, that is my career. But I think in practical terms, what I see that it has done is make me a less reactive person, a more patient person. Um, And I think it's given me a sense of, I guess, using that word again, an anchor you know, I have this rock that I can come back to uh, in myself and in my life um, that helps with tricky stuff, you know? Yeah, helps with challenges. Which sounds like something we could all do with increasingly at the moment, <laughs> to have an anchor yeah. to deal with tricky, <laughs> tricky stuff. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. It's been really nice to mm. talk to you. Um, and thank you for Kerry, yeah, just tell us you. where people Such can get hold of you if they want to. So what should yeah. it, So I have a website, which is turiayoga.co.uk. I'm also on Facebook, Turia Yoga UK. uh, And then through either of those, people can get in touch. Okay, and I'll put that website in the notes for the show. Thanks ever so much. Been the first guinea pig of What's Your Thing and um, catch up with you soon. Okay, bye.